coming somewhat regularly or very regularly here at FPC. We have been for a number of months now in the Gospel of Luke, studying, going, consecutive expository, preaching through the Gospel of Luke. But I want to tell you something before we read our scripture reading today. The title of of the message is The Stranger, and it comes from Luke 17, 11 through 19. And we'll do that scripture reading in just a moment. But I want to just kind of give you uh, a little bit of understanding. I love and I think there's been a great, wonderful movement of consecutive expository appreciation uh, for preaching. Uh, there are a lot of people that are picking up and understanding how to get God's Word into our hearts and lives better. And that is to study it and not just pick things along and cherry pick as we go. And indeed, uh, consecutive expository preaching is a, is a wonderful way of, of letting the, God's people know and understand and hear all of the Scripture, the difficult parts as well as the parts we love and enjoy so much. Um, but sometimes it's a little bit hard to do consecutive expository preaching, especially when one section really just doesn't fit into nice three blocks or four blocks or whatever. One, sometimes it's just kind of short and small. And then the next week, it's going to be a lot longer. Well, that's kind of where we find ourselves uh, uh, this week and next week uh, when I return or the week after I get back from study leave. Uh, It's going to be a longer section then. You get a little bit of a break uh, today because the scripture is a little shorter. We're just going 11 through 19. So that's my gift to you. Uh, But be ready all the more, because we'll be getting into some really deep water and a lot more content uh, in the next time we're together for the Gospel of Luke. Now hear God's word from Luke 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them He said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise. And go your way. 
Your faith has made you well. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let's ask his blessing upon it. Father, we have read your word. We need now your help in understanding it and applying it to our lives. Father, send us the comforter, the Holy Spirit that you promised, that we might receive the engrafted word with meekness. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and for your precious Son's sake. Amen. Newsflash! Luke finally gives us an actual location point of where Jesus has been going, burning up the road uh, north and south and many times back and forth. He's actually telling us something rather specific. The event that Luke records here took place at the beginning of the Lord's last journey to Jerusalem. But where exactly? The text tells us on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Remember Galilee up where the Capernaum and where Jesus' primary ministry was most of the time of his three years on this earth in ministry. And yet that was the northern area. And then Jerusalem was the southern area, but there was something in between. There was Samaria. And usually the Jews tried to avoid that if they could. They found all kind of ways to get away. And yet some cases, there were reasons that Jesus chose and specifically went after and went through that region. And he was right on the border of Galilee and on the southern or uh, northern end of Samaria. Jerusalem down here, and then that that's where, right on that line, a little bit below, a little bit south of Nain, which is in the Galilee, but then it turns into the territory of the Samaritans. Now, so there we go. At least a spot. We can actually say X marks the spot as far as Dr. Luke, he normally doesn't concern himself with those things too much, but he did it here. And uh, now, the Greek term that we heard about in our text was talking about lepers, 10 particularly. The Greek term translated leprosy encompasses and did back in that time a wide range of various skin diseases. The one that we're most familiar with and still in some cases in the world is still going on. That form, that most known form is Hansen's disease. That is a very, very terrible, terrible condition. And it's quite likely that the ten lepers in our story had this fearful version of leprosy. It wasn't one of the lesser, but indeed crippling and defiling. So, these ten woeful, 
beggars were hanging together and keeping their distance according to the law of Moses. There had been a provision. The lepers in Luke's account were Jews living in the region of Samaria, which made them all the more an object of scorn. So lepers had to be separated. And these apparently had banded together and they had gone into the territory of the Samaritans. Perhaps that was the only way that they could band together and get possibly some help. The Jews would have been in no way inclined to be helpful there. The shame left them few options for their survival. Now, here's our text today. The outline goes like this. The meeting is the first point. That's in verses 11 through 13. The master, our Lord, and what he says in chapter 14, particularly, primarily. And then the man, referring to the one who came back to Jesus. So the meeting, the master, and the man are our three points for today. Let's dig in. Now, as Jesus entered the village, he had come from the north into the upper territory of the Samaritans on that border, and he entered the village, and he found this forlorn fellowship standing rooted in their place, crying out for help calling out to anyone who would listen, anyone that would hear their desperate plea. And Jesus, Luke tells us, was still far off. He wasn't right up near them. He was still coming, but they had spotted him, and they were yelling all the more loud. Jesus was still far off when he heard the droning cry of these pitiful ten lepers. And they cried out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Probably over and over and over they would have drawn down. Now, perhaps they in that moment were beginning to to just have a little bit of rising hope in their hearts. Because it's very likely that as long as Jesus had been going back and forth in these territories, they would have known, the whole region knew, the various regions knew about Jesus. And maybe, and they knew that he had healed lepers probably. And so maybe they were thinking, maybe, maybe this is our day. And so they were crying out with all their strength they had, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. So what does the Master do? In verse 14, as soon as the Master heard the cries, he commanded them, 
to go, to leave, to go somewhere else. Precisely where? To the priest. Who, if you understood the law of Moses, there were various things set up for various kinds of diseases that the priest would determine and would decide what the stipulation would be to how to get help or how to hopefully bring healing. And so Jesus, no sooner did he get there that he told them to go according to the law of Moses. In Leviticus chapter 14, verses 1 through 32. You can read it this afternoon if you want to get all the stipulations and the details. But he commanded them to go and present themselves to the nearest local priest. That might have been a good ways distant. But that's what Jesus did. He didn't stop and chit-chat with them along the way. He didn't say, well, look, after a while I'm going to send you. No, no. He said go. And you know what the amazing thing? They all went, all 10 of them. They all went. Didn't, didn't say, hey, hey, Jesus, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I need to first of all. No, they all t- took off heading for the priest. So all 10 men immediately obeyed the Lord's command. That's good, right? That's pretty good. But... It was no light thing that Jesus was asking of them. To seek out a priest. (laughs) And then once you got there. And you sought him out. And you go and tell him. Hey. We're all good. We've been healed. And that's what was always hoped for. Don't you think they probably said, well, Jesus told us to go, so we're going. But that, for them to say to the priest, to go and tell him that we're healed, Jesus' requirement was no small test of their faith. But they all went. They all did go. Now, Luke suggests that their cleansing, this is really interesting, their cleansing didn't take place until they responded. Jesus Jesus could have said, you're all healed right now. No, he said, go. And then Luke tells us that it wasn't until the men responded to Jesus' command, literally, In their departing, they were cleansed. We're going to see that in a minute because of the 10th leper, the one. He looked down and realized as he was going on the way, I'm cleansed. But it wasn't until they exercised that faith to go. It was in the departing. That they were cleansed. Now, in verses 15 through 19, it's mostly about the man. Which man? (laughs) The one. The one man. But one leper came back 
to praise God and thank Jesus. He came back to praise God. He knew ultimately if this happened and it healed him, it is glory be to God. But he also knew that it was Jesus' instrumentality. And Jesus was the one that told him to go. And he knew that his faith, his life had been changed. And he came back with great gratitude. You see, the main emphasis here is not so much on the miraculous cure. It, it was a miraculous cure, but, but that's not where the, Luke puts the emphasis. The focus is upon the man as the way he responded to God's mercy. That's the real question. Is how did these ten leopards respond to God's mercy? Nine of them responded a certain way. One of them only responded in God's mercy like this. Listen. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, did a 180. Praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. You see, the, the amazing part is not that ten were healed. It's why was there only one? That's the stunning part. Why was there only one that came back full of gratitude? Overwhelmed like this man. What was the difference? You see, sadly, when we watch nine people out of ten forget to thank Jesus, we are witnessing a microcosm of our humanity. In so many ways, so many times. Is any sin my friends, more characteristic of our fallen race or certainly high up in that, on that totem pole, ingratitude, ingratitude. Thanksgiving is what the Lord, isn't it interesting in, in Romans 1, when Paul is beginning to talk about the degradation and, and the destruction that our sin has brought. He basically says, what did the human beings that were put on God's world now in their sin, what did they, they refused to give him what? Thanks. Gratitude. Glad gratitude filled hearts. Now Luke then makes an important point kind of tucked in right at the end of this one that returns and comes back and falls before Jesus and and gives praise to him and to God and and thanks Jesus with great gratitude. He says this guy that came back was a what? 
Samaritan. There's those filthy, dirty, dog Samaritans. Again. Loathsome. Half-breeds. The Jews would go move heaven and earth to get around them. They'd literally go the other side, way to the east, and go way up north to the west to keep from getting anywhere remotely near their territory. Good Jews would do that. But you see, here, the one that returns is the Samaritan. You see, the person least likely to behave in a godly way, most of the Jews of that day thought, this guy, the filthy Samaritan, outshines them all. Isn't this what we keep seeing and hearing over and over and over again? This reversal of fortunes that you've heard me again and again show Jesus is saying, you think it's this way? I'm going to turn this upside down. This is right side up. I'm going to turn it that down and I'm going to elevate this. But those that were primarily listening and those that were after Jesus and now he's starting down the road for the last time to Jerusalem and he knows what is coming. They are out to destroy him. But Jesus is saying these are going to be the ones that are going to be carrying People like this Samaritan are going to be the ones that will be carrying my gospel. And when we get into the New Testament, we see that exactly actually happening in the book of Acts. It's Dr. Luke's second book. So, you see, the person least likely outshined his Jewish equals. Luke once again focuses on Jesus' attitude toward the foreigner, the literally stranger. You saw the title, the stranger. The stranger, what? Stranger, what? Literally, that word is foreigner. One that is not, does not belong. And yet Jesus is coming to turn everything around You see, this observation concurs with several other indictments of Jews living in Jesus' day. This is just one, and one of the many others that Jesus has already told us about and showed us through his parables and showed us through his teaching. He's saying, there are so many of you that do not understand You are not on the right path. You are on the path to destruction. And Jesus points that out in the parable of the wicked tenants. We're going to get to that in chapter 20 and verses 9 through 19. But that that is an incredible story. One after one, these wicked tenants. And of course, that's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees and those that are out to get Jesus. And they are honing their knives for him. And, and yet he keeps God, the, the owner keeps saying, well, I'll, I will send this. I will give them this. I will, oh, well, well finally, now they'll, they'll take my son. He, it just goes on and on until they are ready 
to destroy the Son of God and kill the Son of the Most High. You see, John's gospel begins with this sad observation. This was foretold. This was exactly what Jesus knew and, and understood in John 1, 11 through 12. We read, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. This Samaritan was one of those children of God because of that reversal that Jesus was bringing. You see, Luke's account concludes with Jesus' departing blessing in verse 19. Then he said to him, to this Samaritan, rise and go. Your faith has made you whole. Now we know he was already made whole from his leprosy. But that's not what Jesus is talking about in verse 19. He's saying, there's more that has happened to you, my son. You have faith to obey what I told you to do. But now in your gratitude, you show a heart that has been transformed by the Holy Spirit. You see... Our passage hints at the fact that Jesus offers this leper more than the others. Something greater than healing of our diseases. They received healing. But this Samaritan receives a deeper salvation in addition to that. He gets both. You see, his faith provoked him to return to the feet of Jesus in thanks. And that personal submission signifies a soul that is more than skin deep. Spiritually turned inside out, right side up for the glory of God. Amen. Father, Lord, thank you that you, Lord, bring to your table, to your vineyard, Lord, those that are grateful, that are full of gratitude for your great mercies new every morning, always around us. And Father, not just for what we are given, but for who we can be and are now in Christ and in Christ alone. Lord, give us grateful, receptive hearts to so great a salvation. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's stand now for our...